Hey there, I'm Rebecca Carter, and welcome back to Not Nosy, the podcast where I have conversations with artists that I know and admire. Today we've got Nathan Lang. He's a musician, a web developer, and a lot more based out of Kansas City. I approach Nathan because he's done some things on Hit Record that fascinate me, and I wanted a chance to get to know him better and kind of dig into some of his ideas and his talents a little more. He's got this kind of cool combination of an analytical mind that combines with really great musical and overall creative and artistic skill. And uh, I'm excited for you to hear this. But before we dive in, I did want to give you a couple of items of information up front. So number one, This episode is a little more hit record heavy than some of the past interviews, and that's because he's done some really cool hit record specific stuff that I wanted to get into. If you're not familiar with hit record, it's an online collaborative platform where artists of all kinds work together to create books and short films and music and everything. It was founded by the actor Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and if you hear us mention the name Joe, We're talking about Joseph Gordon Levitt. (laughs) So, um, I also just wanted to take a moment to say, just again, Not Nosy isn't a hit record podcast, even though everyone I've interviewed so far I know through hit record. Um, Eventually, I will branch out and you'll hear me talk about that a little bit more with Nathan uh, at the end as well. But um, the, hey, there's just so many interesting people to pull from. I feel like I could go on forever. <laughs> um, now, uh, number two, we talk about something, a site, a website called Hit Record Rocks that Nathan created. Now, since this conversation, he's taken that site down, uh, but the functionality isn't gone. It hasn't disappeared forever. And I will give you a pretty detailed update on that at the end of the show. So that is included inside and there's more to know. So check in at the end for the rest of the story on that. And uh, number three, it was bound to happen one day, but our interview was completely plagued with technical issues. It was a bear, but we persevered. And anyway, that's perhaps why... The audio on this is uh, acceptable, but not perfect. But again, it's, I mean, it's fine, people, but I just wanted to let you know up front, we, we, (laughs) we had some troubles in the day. Um, I'll talk to you more at the end of this episode, but now it's time to get into it with collaborator extraordinaire, Nathan Lang. First of all, can you just tell me about that room you're in? I see all these guitars on the wall. Oh, uh, well, this is kind of like, this is my, I guess, my creator space. It's the basement of our house. I kind of got the whole thing down here to myself. I, uh, the kids used to play play down here a lot, but I kind of slowly started moving their stuff upstairs. So. <laughs> <laughs> but they still like to hang out down here, too. So. Yeah. so, yeah, I mean, there's quite a bit of space and... But at the same time, it's always I'm trying to downsize. Got too much. Got too much stuff that I don't that I don't need and don't use, and not and apparently not the things that I do need. Are you doing the Marie Kondo the the tidying up? Yeah, we actually we started uh, watching that, and um, I don't know. My wife was probably surprised that I was as interested in it as I was, because uh, I immediately started like folding folding my clothes differently. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I read the books probably like nine months ago. And oh my God, I loved it. And yeah, I do. I do the folding and I got through, you know, there's like five steps to the process and I got through um, clothes and books. But once I hit paper, I kind of, it's my, it's my weak spot. I freak out about paper. I don't like it, but I also don't know what to do with it. And I just like, "Ah!" and I I stopped, but uh, the show is, it's, it's amazing. The the success of the show and it's kind of got me got me back i find with with a lot of paper things like if it's not something that i want to keep but like i do want to keep at the same time like sometimes i used to try to like either take a take a photograph or scan it now i get rid of it because i still got it in a way so i do that a lot with like drawings that the kids do and i have like stacks and stacks of other drawings i just take a photo of it i don't need the original i've still got the what they did so yeah and then you tear it up in front of them and throw it in the garbage. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is garbage. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. I like keep a pile and then, you know, when they're not around, I, yeah. <laughs> it's a tough one. So would you say, so I want to try and describe you. Would you say you're a singer, songwriter, photographer, web developer? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Or how would you how would you describe describe yourself? Probably depends on where you are at the moment. Yeah, I guess it it does depend, um, and that is something that I've thought about quite a bit recently, and maybe for a while. Um, and that's like, if, you know, in most conversations when people ask what do you do, you know, I don't tell them all that. Usually, I I just tell them like what I do at my my day job, which is I'm a web developer. So I kind of go talk about that. Um, I guess with most people, that's kind of where those conversations go. But I wonder, like, if I should kind of revise, describe myself. Yeah, so you're probably the first person I'm interviewing that I don't know as well as the rest. And so I feel like I'm most familiar with you from Hit Record from some of your data stuff that you do, because I'm kind of, I, I'm really into that kind of stuff, all of the analysis and and your Hit Record rocks kind of like streaming <laughs> thing that you made. Uh, that I want to talk about in a little bit. But the more, you know, as I really look into everything that you do, of course, it's really more, I would say, music, you know, music oriented. Yeah, for, for the most part, that's that's probably the, ma- the majority of the stuff that I've done has been music related, yeah. Where the, so it's amazing to me, I've seen you play uh, guitar, bass, banjo, piano. I wanted to go back, I guess, to the beginning. Like, where did the music come from? How did you learn it all? Way back when it all began. Where it all began. <laughs> when I was a kid, I mean, it started like with, um, had a keyboard and it had like those little A, B, C, D, E, F, G uh, stickers on it. And we had some kind of, so- we had some songbooks that had all the letters on it. So kind of started playing, playing around and learning songs from that. And I got a harmonica and I was always interested in it, but like I never really, I never took lessons or anything like that. Um, and later on, when I was, it wasn't until I was in high school that I decided I wanted to start playing guitar. And, and like most kids in the '90s, just started playing Nirvana songs, and <laughs> whatever else was on the on the radio. Yeah. But totally self-taught. Were you taking classes at school? Well, I say I say self-taught, but really, I mean, like the internet kind of came along around that point, so. You know, there were always guitar tablatures online. So, like, YouTube wasn't a thing yet. But, you know, for most songs that you would hear on the radio, people made tablature for. 
What's that mean? Um, what a guitar tablature is, it's unlike sheet music where like you actually have to like learn how to read sheet read music. Tablature is a little easier because it's more like it's got six lines representing each string and then they put numbers on it for which fret you push down. So, so you don't even necessarily have to know what the note actually is or what the chord is. Just like here, put your fingers here and then do this and then do that. And so yeah, it's, it's an easy way to, to learn to play things on guitar. Okay. Yeah. And then in, I think in 1996, um, I went to Pepsi's website and just randomly found a contest that they were doing. And so, like I said, if, make sure you get your parents' permission. So I asked my dad, I was like, hey, can I enter to win this contest? And he was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, I ended up winning that contest. And, it, and so it had a bunch of computers that I ended up getting. So in 1996, I had about $25,000 worth of computers. <laughs> and it, so that was first-generation Pentiums, I think 166 megahertz. Um, but at the time, they were the best that was out there. That's crazy. So it was a music contest for Pepsi that you no, won? No, it was, it was, the name of the contest was Shaquille O'Neal's Slammin' Techno Dream Contest. Okay. <laughs> so it was like, it was a, a combination of, you went a trip to meet, meet Shaquille O'Neal at an Orlando Magic game, then the computers from Gateway 2000. It was like, get computers and meet Shaq. And it was just, was it just a random draw? It was, and they did it on April Fool's Day because <laughs> they, cause they, uh, they, called, they called my house while I was at school. My dad knew about it because they talked to him first, so there was just kind of this mystery like, oh, someone's going to call you about something. Uh-huh. But and he set up a tape recorder to like record my reaction, but I, even as exciting as it is to win something, thought, like, I'm pretty much a, I don't react a whole lot to... <laughs> things so so like there's no screaming and jumping down it's just like oh really cool (laughs) (laughs) they want they wanted to have some sort of a (laughs) that's cool i actually read uh i think on hit record part of this story and it ended with that you didn't get to meet shaquille o'neal right that's right yeah yeah so people that's one of the things that people always ask about like oh so you met shaq no like wait wait you said you won contests to meet shaquille o'neal but what happened was he was traded to the Lakers before that meeting was scheduled to happen. So like he got traded and so they're like, okay, we can try to like rearrange this and you can go to a Lakers game and meet Shaq. Um, but they also want to just make things easier. So they're like, or oh, we can just send your whole family to, to Florida and you guys can all go to Disney world. And all oh. that stuff. So, and did so you like, do that? That's, that's what we did. Um, and under my parents um, convincing because they they said, hey, we're paying the taxes on all this stuff, so <laughs> family vacation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's fair, I guess. Look. Have you won other stuff since? Like, are you a guy that... I have, I have, yeah. Um, <laughs> that is, that, I think that, I'm pretty sure that's the biggest one. But then after that, people are like, oh, like, you're lucky here. Here's an, here's an internet contest. Here's another internet contest. So, so I entered a whole bunch. The ones I tended to focus on the most since that was around the time when I started playing guitar were music type contests. So all of the contests from the guitar magazines and other music magazines, uh, I'd enter those. At least one of those I did end up winning and it was a Bon Jovi contest. Speaking of 
the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, I ended up getting the entire Bon Jovi discography. Nice. So that was like the runner-up prize. So like instead of winning uh, Richie Sambora's guitar rig and right. guitar and amplifier, I just got all their music, um, <laughs> which I didn't, I wasn't like a huge Bon Jovi fan, but I also didn't have anything against Bon Jovi. But at the same time, I was, you know, a kid who was more interested in money. So, and I, I started up eBay, started doing eBay at that time. So I actually just sold all of it to somebody in Germany. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so a lot of, a lot of people say, oh, that's not me. I never win anything. And I mean, cause it's true that, you know, your odds of, of winning most things are pretty slim. The Pepsi mm-hmm. contest, like I've always wondered what the number of people that entered is because at that time for that type of contest, like I'm pretty sure that that was probably some of the best odds that I could right. have had <laughs> because I don't, yeah. I don't think that many people entered because there were a lot fewer people on the internet. It was Pepsi, but then it was also kind of like a hidden contest. Right. That it was meant to be like kind of a scavenger hunt kind of thing. So I yeah. just like happened to find it. I don't, I wasn't even looking for it. That's super cool. Well, yeah, like they say, I mean, you have to enter to win. Yeah, odds odds aren't great, but if you want to, if you want to do something or, or win something fun, like you just have to do it. It's kind of like gotta enter. Yeah, you got to first things. start by entering. Yeah, it's it's similar with all the things on Hit Record, which actually have better odds than you would have in a lot of contests. Not the Hit Records contest. Not trying to make that connection, but but, but you're people, always, getting... people always ask me like, oh, how did you how did you get in that commercial or how'd you do this well you just have to go participate so you kind of self-taught on the music you got yourself a guitar you just started you weren't doing music at school no i mean like i mean we had music class in grade school yep uh and you know a few different music classes like in middle school and i don't think i took any music classes in high school no not one isn't that funny See, oh, and I took funny. like seven years of music and I can't play <laughs> a single thing. So that's, so that's the lesson, kids. That's <laughs> cool. But yeah, so I didn't take, any, I didn't take any, uh, any music classes in high school, which is weird because that's what I started to become most interested in music. Yeah, I don't know if that's, if that's uh, for better or for worse. Um, but I did, at that time, I was trying to spend as much time making music as I could. Um, I I had a few classes where it was where I was able to go to class and they would take roll and see who was there and then I was able to sneak out of class drive mm. home play guitar <laughs> and get there at the end of class when they would take roll again see is everybody still here and But was it a free period or was it you just skipping school It was just skipping school it was just skipping school and not having to do the detention and Saturday right. school that actually would accompany that. Right. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I would have had ulcers from the nerves of <laughs> getting caught. It was mostly just one teacher who I had for two different classes. I had him, he was a gym teacher and he was also like our seminar teacher that was kind of like a study hall type class. Mm-hmm. And he kind of lived and breathed football and just thought about that constantly. And I guess not so much on where everybody was at and if they were still. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. There so was. Both those, both those classes and those were always the ones that I'd always leave and not because I, not because I necessarily didn't want to be at school. It's just, I 
wanted to spend more time playing guitar. So, <laughs> uh, so that, and, and then sometimes there'd be like pianos and stuff set up on, on stage in different areas of the school. Um, and so I kind of sneak off and play piano too. Oh, uh, not anything and really great, but. Did you teach yourself it. piano as well? Yeah, I don't, I still don't, I don't know how to read music. So all that's just from. It's just all by ear. That's around, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think in the same place where I saw that you had done that uh, Pepsi contest, I think it was in your two truths and a lie. Uh, post, yeah. maybe? <laughs> that was, that was so, a fun one because I don't remember what else I put in there, but. Oh, I'm going to tell you. So you grew up in a motel? That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Is that because your family owned the motel? It was your motel? Yeah, they, they owned the motel. Um, so I think my entire childhood, yeah, that's where I lived. And my parents ran the motel. So our house was just connected to it. And so, yeah, that was just my experience growing up. Was it a full, was it a house or was it like a apartment or? It was a house. Like a hotel room. <laughs> not a house, not a tiny house. Just right. A house. It was a house. And did you work at the motel? Like, did you help out? I, uh, my, my parents would say, no, he didn't help out. <laughs> they, they, they tried to get us to help out. So, like, we'd, you know, occasionally have to, like, help them clean rooms and stuff. Although, like, there were people on staff that did that. Um, but, you know, sometimes scheduling-wise, I assume, and because, you know, my parents had to, you know, it's their business, so... So we had to help out with a lot of different things. We weren't old enough to like ever do it as a job. The business ended up closing before we were that age anyway. Before you were kind of older. And when did you pick up the photography? Well, when I won that Pepsi contest, I had a, a very early digital camera that came with that. I think that the the retail value of it was probably like 500 bucks, but that camera was so bad. Really like digital cameras at in 1996 era sure we're so bad it was like it was a really great 1996 digital camera and it was still pretty bad mm-hmm. um but you know i started off with that a little bit and then really it wasn't till say it wasn't wasn't till i graduated from high school and started college then i really got into photography and kept getting better cameras and cameras kept getting better and i kept taking more and more photos and took a lot of photos yeah I didn't realize it was interesting because as I was kind of starting to research you and I knew you were a musician and I, I had seen you do a lot of work there. I didn't realize how many photos that you upload. So ultimately what I've been doing lately is I just decided, all right, I'm just going to start at 2007 and move forward. So, okay. And I've seen like a lot of live music photos from live music. And is that something you really enjoy doing? You go see a lot of live, live music. Do or is really that just kind that. of the past? And it is kind of the past <laughs> because <laughs> I haven't, I haven't done a lot of that lately. It was probably around 2007 is when I really started doing that or started going to more concerts and with better cameras. And then I was, I was house photographer at a, a venue here in Kansas City for a while and oh. I was going to two to four shows every week and taking photos of bands either well-known touring bands or just local bands that were playing there too so I did a lot of that and then once I started having kids then the concerts kind of died off yeah that's how children work <laughs> and and most concerts too something that was always a problem is that they're just they're always so late 
they always start really late and they go really late. Yeah. 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 Do you find that, do you just not go out at night as much anymore? I mean, I like never go out at night and it's so weird when I am out at night. <laughs> yeah. No, not, not really. No, I don't really remember last time I really done much of anything that was like out too late at night. Yeah. We're grown ups now. But I still do. I still do love concerts and, and doing concert photography. Just I do a lot less of it. But even photography in general, I do a whole lot less of now these days as well. I used to take my camera everywhere. Um, and, and one reason that that kind of stopped was cameras on phones have gotten right. a lot better to where like I used to have my SLR camera, my phone, which like didn't really use as a camera, even having a camera, and then another camera to, to keep in my pocket. I do need to get into taking more photos, but it's kind of nice too that I take fewer photos these days as well because... To get good at photography, you have to take a lot of photos to where then you get to the point where you're like, okay, I don't need to take a picture of blank because... You can be more selective with what 50,000 people are also taking that exact same photo or sure. or similar or it really isn't that interesting. or You kind of just learn to get better and take fewer and then it's less to deal with because even though computer space is cheap these days, like there is a burden of... <laughs> Of having thousands. Yeah, of thousands yeah, of you gotta Marie Kondo your photos too. I, crazy. Exactly. So I'm so as I go through them, I'm trying to do a little of that. I'm trying to get rid of as many digital photos as I can because really my philosophy taking photos is I I always like deleted some as I went. Like if I this one didn't turn out, but I also still saw like remix potential in even bad photos of things. And at the time, there were no online communities to like remix things. So it was like, I was kind of building a stock photography library for myself. So right. if I need a picture of a tree or something, I've got 200 or right. whatever. So. <laughs> so then you studied in college, you interactive media? I did. And what's Where, that? <laughs> Um, what did you say? Where, what were you going to say? Where did I find that? I was going to say, yeah. Where, where, yeah where you'd be amazed. That? I was telling my son, I'd say, you'd be amazed how much information people leave online. Interactive media, I mean, it was it was a, a cool program because like, like most kids, when I um, was in high school and about to graduate, like I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. I just knew what I was interested in, which was a lot of different things because I was interested in music. I was interested in photography. I was interested in videography, web design, things like that. And so this, the interactive media program that I found was kind of a combination of all those things. So I was like, all right, this is great. It's a program that like will let me study all, all the things I'm interested in. And then I don't know exactly which one I'm going to do, but mm -hmm. so yeah, so that's what that was. It was kind of, it was a bunch of different classes. That was a combination of all those things. And did, I mean, were you happy with it, that that was the way that you went? And Definitely, yeah, because that's where I met my wife at college. We met at the student newspaper, which was a really cool, a really cool newspaper to work at, at that school. And the program, too, was was good. And as soon as, soon as I graduated, I got a job, and I still work there today. Really? Is, yeah, doing web development. So I've been there for about 11 years now, same company. Wow. Wow. And is that what you started? Have you been on the same career path the whole time in the web development? 
yeah, I mean, like I've, I've still continued working on all the other artistic things that I was, I'd say I was more interested in. Like I never set out to like, I'm going to be a database administrator and <laughs> uh, server side scripting language person. Like, Every little boy's that dream. Side of things, <laughs> that side of things, like people, people were telling me early on, like, oh, you should be a computer programmer. And I was just like, oh, that sounds so boring. So boring. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't really know until, until I went to school and, and graduated and got a job and started doing that all the time. I was like, oh, you know, this actually is kind of fun. And, mm-hmm. and surprisingly, what I didn't know in my youth was that web development and computer programming is actually is a really creative thing. Like you have to think creatively. Right. And then it's sort of also combined with problem solving. And so it actually is fun. And there's so much work opportunity as a web developer that... Oh yeah, you hit it. You you, you, you couldn't have timed it better. And you have you seem to have a very analytical mind. I mean, you can really. It's been very interesting for me to see the way that you kind of think through data, through all the stuff I've seen you do on Hit Record and everything. Yeah, I've, I've I've always been interested in logic problems and 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 so that I think that combined with being a creative person, it's kind of. Well, let me ask you. So you created this site so you can find it at hitrecord.rocks. And first of all, it's fascinating. I had no idea that you, that someone could pull this much data from a website without have, without them having like an open API kind of thing. So I don't know. I guess I guess if you want to talk about what was your inspiration there and and thoughts on making it, and were you nervous that uh, it wasn't going to be well received? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What um, it is? I think where that where that started is before I found Hit Record. I was I was doing I started doing music collaboration for a couple years before that at another website. So you could only get back so far in time from what had been uploaded there, and I was I was interested to find all of the uh, the music that was there before I got there. And the way that their website was structured is they they had an API built into their website, like not as something for, which is cool that you mentioned that as like an open API because HitRecord has an API and so did this site. And they weren't like built like for other people to use, like they were just built for the website itself to use, to make calls to other people can use those too. So, so let's hang on. So I, I do some web stuff. So I have like, I have like this knowledge that's about uh, whatever my limits are, that's as far as it goes, you know, like I've, I've taught myself how to use WordPress over the years and, and all these, you know, I can do like this medium level of things, but I don't always understand. I don't always understand why or how. And when I think of API, I think of like when websites basically release, I don't know, some sort of, I don't know what it is, some sort of code or something so that other developers can create tools or apps or things that go along with it. So I assume that they had to put it out there in some sort of sandbox for people to be able to play with. But it seems like even if they don't do that, there is something that exists that you can find just by kind of digging into. Yep, by looking at the code and... If you're a web developer, then yeah, you can kind of see what it's doing. And basically, I'm limited to the exact same calls that are used at the website. But that's really all, all that I needed to, to make that work. Yeah, so basically anything that we can see on the website that's kind of like 
being displayed, you can be pulling that somehow. Yeah. So, so I've done a lot of a lot of interesting things with that. I think it was it was maybe maybe just a couple months after I had joined Hit Record, and I was trying to kind of keep caught up with all the new audio records that were coming in because there was always so much interesting stuff that people were uploading that I just didn't want to miss any of the the good stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized like I'm having trouble. Most of my listening would take place during the day while I was at work and you can only multitask so much. Like if you're having to like scroll to a new record, hit play and then go back to work and then be like, Oh, right. oh next. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well I'll just make a, I'll make a web utility that will just stream all the, re- all the audio records back to back. So they'll just play through and then I can just work. And if I hear something that's interesting that I can shift over to the screen and mm-hmm. uh, recommend it or add it to a crate or whatever. So that was where that began. And as you, and as you got access to, to that data, you started wanting to do more and more, I assume. Just one thing kept leading to another. Cause then once I had an, an audio player going, then and I thought, okay, well, now that I've got this code set up, what else can I do with it? And then I really wanted to be able to easily see where um, kind of the whole chain of remixes of like, where did this come from? Did it come from another record or other records that have been right. from that? So then that was the next thing that I started working on was kind of making a visual system to display that in a To show way. the remix. It's really cool. It looks like a... I don't know, a spider web or, or something of being able to see all these, these records and how they're resourced and connected to each other. You can kind of go down the rabbit hole in a visual way. It's really cool. And overall hit record like HQ. I think Joe even commented that he was amazed that somebody went ahead and made something like this. Like you kind of got a seal of approval. Yeah. Uh, so that so that was really cool. It's always good to to hear something from Joe. It was good to know that, I don't know, that I wasn't doing a bunch of work on something that was just like, oh, turn it off. <laughs> but, yeah. But, yeah. Um, Were you nervous about that? Were you nervous that they might come and say, w- don't do this? Um, not so much. No. I mean, See, I'm um, not such a permissions person. I always felt that like, as long as I, as long as I made something that was useful and was not causing a problem to their web servers by doing so then that should be fine right i don't think that i've ever technically heard like that it's okay (laughs) (laughs) but i haven't heard it's not okay and so i I think it's an understandable response because i don't think that that uh i mean if i were in their position i'd kind of be hesitant to, to be like oh yeah it's okay to make a third party website that Right from from our website. This mutual understanding of not <laughs> because because not even because even, <laughs> even if even if I do a good job about being careful and not messing anything up, that doesn't mean that somebody else isn't gonna go. Oh, I'll I'll start screwing around that too, and maybe I'll they do do, they mess something up. So, but cut all of this. I don't want them to worry about it. So, oh, you don't want that in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You don't, you don't necessarily have to. Don't uh, worry. We'll talk about it later. Don't worry about it. I was, I was joking and I was serious. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing too. Like anytime yeah. that I've ever, anytime that I've ever mentioned the site, like I'm always like, oh, should I even mention this? Like, I don't really want to draw any attention to it because 
I mean, I didn't create it. I mean, I'm glad that other people use it and I've sort of had that in mind, but for the most part, like, I mean, I made these things for myself. Right. <laughs> so I, so I use that. that. That's how I use hit record every day. And so yeah. I don't want that to stop working. Um, I do hear occasionally from other hit recorders that, that do say that they use it. Right. Uh, but it's not, it's I think not a, a couple one. of the, the big music people, uh, use it i used to use it um like if i was doing um it's tough for me to listen to music while i'm working like i have to be pretty like quiet laser focused Uh, but sometimes i'll if i'm gonna want to listen to music i'll just i'll just hit that and i'll i'll go to one of your albums that you've curated and i'll put on some streaming and yeah, for, for some kind of things, sometimes I have to, like, it has to be just certain types of instrumentals to not be distracting to me. Because um, things with, particularly anything with words or lyrics, yeah, they'll kind of draw your attention away from what you're, what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. So, so I tend to just, uh, when I go through records using that, I, I tend to, like, binge through them really quickly put things in album. Yeah, it's ama- it's amazing how much you organize everything. And then what I thought was really cool was that you have this tool that can pull the like the BPM like the beats and the the key and the yep. key of a of a song and I couldn't believe that. I thought that was so cool. Yeah, so the the whole story with that in mentioning things one thing leading to another i first i think one of the first albums that i started making was an album of instrumentals that for to possibly add vocals to and that was for myself so that i could um, have a bunch of tracks and listen to them in the car while i commuted to and from work to kind of see what what songs i might be able to sing using those instrumentals so yeah so i downloaded all the instrumentals and then i found a i found an old program that somebody had made that would scan all of scan a bunch of audio files and it would try to detect the approximate tempo and song key and so i started doing that and then that's when i started matching up hundreds of songs with that because i quickly realized that once you have a a list of good instrumentals and their approximate tempos and their song keys then like you can find stuff that fits together really really easily yeah that's amazing i mean i think that's so fascinating and i think you found this really interesting way to combine music and technology i don't know it's just it's just a really interesting and unique take on all of it it's like you're you've become like this archaeologist of uh i i do think of myself as a a record i hate record archaeologist uh, <laughs> historian of records so going back so going back to music, so I'm curious to know, uh, I guess, what's the kind of music you're most interested in making right now? And maybe it's it's all of it, but I, I did notice you do a lot of songwriting uh, and singing on top of existing tracks. What's your, you know, what what's the thing that gets you really excited to do right now? Or are you doing that because it's faster, easier based on your schedule or? Yes. Yes, I am. So... Yeah, as far as like singing goes, I mean, before I started collaborating online, um, you know, I wrote some songs, but maybe I'd write between one and five songs a year. Definitely not any more than that. 
and part of that was like you know i didn't really think of myself so much as uh, much of a singer and then when i started collaborating online and i remember the name of the website now it's song tree um that's mm -hmm. where i started uh collaborating with other musicians so only having a limited amount of time i found that i could listen to instrumentals while i was driving to and from work and that that was the best time for me to try to sing because if you're like at home with your family or or friends or other people around like you don't that's not i think it's it's easy for people not to want to try to figure out singing or or even playing instruments like when other people are around because right. you know it's not good <laughs> um, and you know that if you want to be better at it that you have to do it you want some privacy while you learn right so i found so i found that that uh yeah just kind of practicing singing and learning to sing and just singing for singing's sake in the car was great because there was nobody in the car with me to hear it and i could uh work on it and get better at it and um and also just start uh coming up with song ideas i'm just as interested in uh playing instruments and composing instrumentals too um, but i do a lot less of that and i'd say the biggest reason for that still to this day is just i do what i'm able to get done with the time that i have right <laughs> so i feel like I, I can work on singing and, and even initially coming up with lyrical ideas just while i'm driving and so that's time that that's time that i had available to do something creative with in that way mm -hmm. i saw a video you posted of you scatting in the car was it to starway records track so you had um so you're putting on these tracks in your car and you're just kind of scatting to yep. it and that's your that's part of your process and that is that's that's the process that's uh that's what i do most of the time when i come up with with vocals for an instrumental and i'm definitely not the only one that does that over the years i've i've heard a lot of different people on hit record and in other places to say that they that that's kind of their process too is that they'll they'll start with an instrumental and then kind of start figuring out like how do i want to sing this how how do i want my voice to sound um and what melodic ideas can i come up with and that's a good way to do that um and and even sometimes figure figuring out what your initial lyrics are going to be because most of the time i don't know what i'm going to write a song about until until i get somewhere to start from and here's an example he's getting on top of a track from starway records So you said that that's kind of 1% of the process. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the rest? So, so yeah, I wanted to upload that video because I didn't think that I'd actually uploaded something like that on hit record and I knew that people would would find it interesting 
one of the things I always wanted to do was take like a finish, a song that I've already finished. And then usually I'll have like some voice memos that sound nothing like it, but are kind of just sort of that initial brainstorming before I got there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I always thought that it might be interesting to do that to kind of, if other people hadn't thought about doing that. Oh yeah. I love that kind of stuff where everyone shows us how they create. I think it's fascinating. I do a lot of that in the car and sometimes it takes a long time before I will get a initial lyric on something. But yeah, I've got to either come up with, with a one word or a small phrase somewhere that I think, okay, that sounds really good there. And then I'll just build the rest of the song around that. Yeah. And then I was listening to, uh, I'm friends with Jen Sakar, and I saw you guys work together on my favorite part, this song. Uh, Now she wrote that one, right? She wrote the lyrics. So it's, so in that case, it's starting backwards. It's starting with lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's fun to do as well. Um, And in both of those cases, what's really cool about, whether you're starting with an instrumental or you're starting with lyrics and then writing an instrumental, I guess those are like really the two main ways that you write a song other than, I guess you could also start with an acapella. Um, (laughs) But that's probably it. I mean, those are like the main ways you either starting with instrumental or starting with lyrics. And both of them are really cool ways to start songs that are completely different because if you're starting with the lyrics, then figure out, an instrumental that fits with with that, both of those ways limit you and they kind of direct your direction. <laughs> they give you direction because yeah, you kind of you have to make an instrumental that fits with some with lyrics that are already written. If you're starting with an instrumental, you have to come up with lyrics and melody that fit with that. And sometimes I might rearrange an instrumental if I have a different idea that comes up, but most of the time I'll just leave an instrumental completely alone. And even if it like seems weird or it's nowhere near what I would have done if I were making an instrumental, then sometimes it'll kind of give you a creative direction that you wouldn't have otherwise taken. Right. Um, to just make it work with what you've got. And sometimes mm-hmm. that can be really interesting. Yeah, they say so, something Joe says a lot is that now now I'm not going to know how he says it, but that constraints uh inspire creativity yeah definitely definitely that reminds Mm -hmm. me of like downsizing too uh because like i have so many instruments but i don't really have time to play them all so a lot of times i think like it'd be so nice if i just had an acoustic guitar period Mm. (laughs) because yeah because then you have that restraint where it's like now you have to focus on i'm gonna write an acoustic guitar song yeah Cause that's what I've got and that's what I do. So I like, I kind of like being a Jack of all trades about things. And I kind of hate it at the same time. Like I'm always like, Oh, I just wish I could just like focus on one thing more. I'm like, I do have a lot of interests. So I think, uh, I, I, you know, you, you kind of always want what you don't have to, I, I tend to have a very, very broad experience in, in a lot of things. And I'm, I'm, I'm an expert in nothing, you know? So I get jealous of people that are experts in things and but at the same time I can do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and and get by yeah I just I guess I just in everything I try to find the right balance so have diverse interests and do a bunch of diverse things but also do enough of them well enough to be worthwhile so yeah well I think you're doing pretty good I don't know if this was a good example, but for my favorite part, she wrote the lyrics and 
and then do you remember this whole process for that song i actually don't um i was when my computer crashed right after you asked that i thought okay now i've got a i can quick i can look up the answer but <laughs> I, I had to fix the computer so what i was wondering I, I is if someone had sung it first or if if from the lyrics you you got your guitar out and started singing it or you're not I know at the time, I think that I like, I just got that acoustic guitar like that week or I like, I just got it. And um, I think I use an open tuning on that too. I just kind of came up with it. Mm -hmm. Lickety split like. And well, I, lo I love how it came out. And I, I was hoping you'd let me, I don't know. There's the final version has a lot of people on it. So I probably couldn't pop that in here, but uh, I think some of the earlier versions might be just, just you too. I didn't know if you'd let me put it in. Oh, sure. Yeah. As I talk you I was, I was really amazed at, at that project once we started uh, seeking uh, more people to add stuff in on it. Like we got so many different instruments added into that. Like there was like a whole bunch of violas, and cellos, and violins, and mandolin, a whole lot of stuff. So. Well, and it was in a, a kind of a big project at the time, right? It was in the... Yeah, New, like new Generation of Family Songs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I haven't, I, heard anything, I haven't heard anything about that for a long time now. Yeah. Over, over a year, but I believe that they are still planning to do something with that. I just don't know what. And I don't know when. So. Yeah, I mean, I listened. I listened to the final mix, and it's just amazing, especially on the music side. It's amazing how many amazing finished products come out on hit record, and they just sit there, and not enough people get to hear them, and it kills me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's there. It's 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 there and ready. And then I was looking. You had so you had a project called the story arc for an epic year end song. You had mapped out what the song would look like. It was a map of kind of the climax and all these different parts of the song. And it reminded me very much of I don't know if you're familiar with Save the Cat. It's like a when you're writing a screenplay, uh, there's this very famous book that came out that kind of broke down how, what happens at every beat in the movie. And it's like an exact map of any typical Hollywood movie that at 20 minutes in this happens at 40 minutes in this happens. And it's, you yeah. know, 
there's a, there's a climax, there's an obstacle, there's a false, uh, you know, like a false victory and, and, and all these things. And, and that's what your map reminded yeah. me of. Was. It was definitely inspired by, you know, just those traditional type of story arcs for films or books or things like that. But yeah, that project, I sometimes when I listen to an instrumental, like I'll just hear a particular voice in my head singing it. Sometimes that might be like a famous recording artist, or sometimes it might be a famous recording artist in my mind from hit record. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so for that song, I actually, um, I thought, you know, I could hear Jersey Jung singing this. Um, and so that was kind of like just the vision I had in my head. Well, I was wondering, is that, so just like when I didn't know uh, that this Save the Cat thing existed and when I read the book and then I sat down and I watched a movie looking at this, you know, yeah. these beats and I'm like, oh my God, it's exactly this. And I'm thinking every movie is exactly this. Is that how, is there like a a secret map to like a lot of pop songs that that kind of follow that, what you wrote out or was that just something you came sure, up with? I, mean, I, I think that there definitely are a lot of repeating formulas and that's why um, so much pop music is so similar. There are chord progressions that just really work in songs and that's why you hear them over and over and over again. And you can still continue to just make infinite numbers of new songs that use those exact same chord progressions because it works. But... Yeah, I don't know if that if that exact map that I outlined applies to a lot of songs. I suppose it probably could. Um, mm -hmm. That's just kind of like just what I was hearing as I listened to the instrumental of like kind of a map of what uh, what a vocal could be on top of it. Mm. And that's something I, that's I, that's the only time I've ever done that. Um, like actually like mapped out something like that. I thought it just the thought came to me one day, and I thought oh, I'll just throw this graphic together, and maybe this will help bring some ideas to somebody who might want to sing something on this. So. Right. Right. I, I, I thought it was another really interesting way to see like what I see as your analytical mind combining with, with music. It was, it was really interesting. So then also you started this project on hit record community data analysis, right? And that's where, and I'm so fascinated with it and you kind of, uh, you put it out there, what kind of information would people like to know um, that, and to see if you could pull certain data and you've, you have pulled a lot of data and, and made a lot of graphs a little while ago, you did a bunch of charts and graphs and, and, and different pieces of data, but, but you had a post about is the hit record community too big or too small? And it didn't get a lot of attention, but I thought it was super interesting your take on it which was uh, you listed out reasons why you might think that the com community feels too big and reasons why it might feel too small. And a lot of the reasons were the same. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that not many people seem to be noticing or giving hearts to my records and that uh, the people that think it's too big would think that that's because there's so many people that my stuff will never be found. And if they think it's too small, then it's because there's not enough people on the on the site and and so on and i just thought it was uh, a really interesting way to look at it it's true i'm glad i'm glad you brought that one up because that I, maybe that's the last one i did and you know part of what i wanted to do is like just from time to time i'll you know just read various comments about people's perceptions about the community and the website and why they think something's working or why they think something isn't working 
Um, and I think that's why that record is fun because it does it does show that you can feel the same way and think it's for different reasons. And it can be for, I, th I think that both of those perceptions are valid. <laughs> and yeah. And, and you said another one, if the community feels too big, people can lose interest and contribute less and the same if it feels too small. <laughs> um, I think, I think you're very diplomatic. I, when I read your comments and, and the things that you say, uh, and like you said that you're, you're kind of very even keeled person, but, um, yeah, people can, uh, tend to get very, uh, emotional <laughs> about, about some of the stuff. And, and I always find that your comments are very diplomatic and just trying to keep the peace. <laughs> yeah, I think but, I, I'm, a, I'm definitely a peacemaker and I think I have an interesting perspective that's a little different than, than what I see from a lot of other people, which is, I feel like people don't say, I don't know enough. Like everybody, regardless of what the topic of conversation is, like everybody has their idea about what they think is the reason why blank mm -hmm. or that I think this is the best reason to do. And that's good. I mean, everybody needs to have those thoughts, but I tend to have those thoughts, but then I also feel on just about everything, but I don't know for sure. Um, and, and for some things, like it's hard to be a leader and be like, but I don't know, I don't know for sure. This is the best. So, uh, so it's not always a good thing to, to, to be announcing like that, but, mm -hmm. but the truth is that, you know, even your best ideas and your best reasons for why things are a certain way, there's always more to discover and yeah, the information you don't know that you didn't know, but so with a lot of the, with a lot of data too there's there's a lot of statistics or lists that I could share but just because I have it and just because it's interesting doesn't necessarily mean that I want to post it I would like there to be a good a good purpose for any information that I share from that because for good and not evil <laughs> right so so like I mean I have I downloaded like all of the profit data from all the previous funded projects Mm -hmm. And while that's interesting to look at, if I published a list of here's the people who made the most money and here's the projects that made the most money and the contributions, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. it was like, I can only see bad things coming from publishing such a list. Mm -hmm. so, so it is interesting, yeah. but I'm trying to be responsible with what I share. Yeah. Yeah. And money always gets very, it's, it's sensitive regardless of yes. where you are. I think something else that you said, you know, it's like part of why people kind of uh, drop off or leave is because hit record has helped them get to another place, you know? And so now they're busy and now they're doing other things. And yeah, and I think that that can be great. I think I was thinking about that just yesterday that a lot of the people that have done a, a whole lot of things and, and collaborated with a lot of people at hit record and then aren't there now the people that they met at hit record at the time like those are people that they continue to collaborate with just outside of hit record and even with that like i mean it makes sense because like there does there can reach a point where it's like how many people can you really regularly collaborate with if you've got a group of people that you've connected with and want to continue making things with yeah it took me like a year to find my people and then I did. And, and yeah, exactly. It's like, you finally got your little, like a writing team together or whatever your, you know, w whatever your thing is. And, and it's not that you don't want to collaborate with other people, but 
definitely establishing yeah. a relationship makes it makes it easier to work faster and do certain things. And I think this this ties in a little with uh, the that record you mentioned, the hit record, too big or mm-hmm. too small question. And I was also thinking about that question because I knew um, from looking at the job postings that hit record that that I think they said that Joe said that his mission is to bring bring this experience to as many people as possible, which is really great. But then over the years, I've also thought of the downside of that can possibly potentially come with as many people as possible, which I'll relate it to this, which is a lot of audio communities where people are collaborating. Like sometimes just the ratio of quality uh, mm-hmm. in the midst of the quantity isn't good. And so yeah. with a lot of those sites, you can find great, great music from great musicians anywhere. But in some places, like there's just a lot of really bad rappers, <laughs> not necessarily just <laughs> bad rappers, but bad, bad folk artists, bad, um, which like everybody's bad when they start. So I don't want to like discourage, mm-hmm. discourage trying. I think that that's great. Uh, but trying to get well. the, some of the quality stuff to filter to the top and. Right. So that's always, that's the best part of the trick is that, yeah, being able to continually find good stuff and not just, you know, you don't want to listen to a hundred things and think that 90% was terrible. Mm-hmm. So that's something that I've always really loved about Hit Record is that just the ratio of quality is so high compared to everywhere else. And when you have that, yeah, sometimes that can make people intimidated to want to join in. Start. Mm-hmm. But also it kind of brings the level up for everybody, say for music if you are trying to join in with musicians who are better than you, which is what I feel like I'm doing all the time at Hit Record, <laughs> then it, it forces you to continue to get better. Whereas if, right. you, if you're the best <laughs> and, and everybody else is worse than you, then like, where do you have to go? Like, right. So kind of everybody brings each other up. But yeah, going forward with the Hit Record as a platform, yeah, I'm hoping that like if things do continue to grow and more and more people start contributing things just hopefully like there's just ways to zero in on what what each person is looking for and find the people that they need to find and make the things they need to make and not get lost in too many things that they don't want to be lost in and so then and that's tricky too because so with all the different art forms and different types of art and different perspectives that people have and different things they want to make there's sort of two ways of thinking they kind of have to live together people need to be able to segment and to form smaller groups Mm -hmm. but then you also don't want to get people too segregated and isolated from each other so i think both those things sort of have to work together so like you know kind of like how people have self-organized and found each other already on the site as it is and yeah, I mean, I think, you know, sometimes when you do, you form your groups, but I think uh, a, a, most of the people that are very active and, and leading things and very involved, they also kind of feel that ownership in what is hit record and in the collaboration and in getting more people involved. And it is hard when you're doing a project that there's certain things that sometimes it's easier for the people running the project to do themselves and then other things where the community comes in better or i don't know i it, it's it's uh it's a tricky balance oh all, all around <laughs> everything <laughs> about here record is a very tricky balance uh, and for most things like i have uh, i definitely do not 
um, even think that I could even uh, pretend to know the answer on <laughs> on everything they should do or shouldn't do. Yeah, It'd be interesting well, to watch the journey. Well, yeah, it's been constantly evolving. I mean, since the beginning of time, you know, the site keeps going through all these iterations, and the community will grow. And so, I think it's always moving in a pretty positive direction. And so what's, I guess the question is, what's next and what's, is there a goal you're, you're headed for eventually just in, in all this, in your art, what's in the plans? The plan for, for a little over a year now, I've um, been talking to Blake Eleanor Earnhardt just about various things, but also uh, we kind of started looking into like sync licensing deals for, for music, um, getting your music placed in television and films and advertisements. So we've been working on, on those things a little bit, but at the same time, like I'm not fully committed with my focus to doing just that. So, but I am trying to become more focused and, <laughs> and kind of identify like specifically, okay, here's, here's what I want to do. And here's the, the potential path on how to get there. Part of my problem is, is I, I come up with a lot of ideas and then I'm like, okay, this is a good idea. I think, so is this, so is this. And <laughs> so focus is hard. I know. I've, I'm not an expert, but it's something I'm trying to make a priority in the last year or so is just I know I can't do everything I want to. So I have to just choose like one thing. And it's super yeah. hard because yeah. I get easily distracted too. And I love new shiny things <laughs> and not as much old things. Right. <laughs> Well, I think for for most people, I think that that's just that's a really big a big thing that everybody needs to do, and and it's really hard for I think for most people to to really figure out what is it I want to what do I want to do with the rest of my life what when I, I grow up. Mm-hmm. This year? Or, yeah, when I grow up. Yeah. Uh, when is that? Still working on it. Yeah. <laughs> but say for example, uh, six months ago, I decided you know I think I might like to start a podcast, um, which is an interesting thing because I. I'm very much definitely an introvert, maybe about as introverted as I don't start conversations with people very rarely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I've got a, I've always been a very much a speak when spoken to kind of person. And so I don't, I don't ask a lot of questions <laughs> from people. I answer them when they ask me. So I, I, a lot of times conversations, I try to keep them from being too much of a one way street where it's just someone asking me something and me just, answering yes or no. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, so it was interesting that I was interested in, in thinking about possibly doing a podcast because I know like I'm not a great public speaker, right? <laughs> but or even an interviewer. Uh yeah, I don't know. I was, it's still some still an idea that I came up with. Uh so this is fun doing I'm doing a podcast now without actually doing a podcast. Without having to do your own <laughs> for the first for right. the first bit. Well it's sometimes Sometimes it's fun to go outside of your comfort zone a little bit and push yourself. And so much uh, hit record is people doing that, and really like. Yeah. One thing I try to tell people a lot, like if if people ever seem to think that for some reason that I can sing and they can't. I think you can sing and I can't. <laughs> I feel like if people, if people think that and they wish that they could sing, but they don't think they can. What I try to tell people. And it's something that I feel like most of the time they just end up not believing me um, is that if you want to sing, you can, you just need to start doing it. Everybody has limitations to what they can do. Right. So like I've 
kind of been exploring what I can do with with my voice. Like, what can I what can I sing reasonably well that like isn't going to make people like cover their ears and run screaming? Or, <laughs> um, everybody can do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I mean, I still don't think I'm great at a lot of things. But I I know that the I've done so much singing now over the last three years that I do continually get better at it and you asked earlier kind of like what type of music I'm interested in. And Mm -hmm. since I, since I like listening to so many different kinds of music, as far as like what type of music I want to make, um, I'm still trying to figure that one out too, because what I've kind of been interested to, to figure out is what style of music can I actually sing reasonably well? Mm -hmm. Uh, I try a lot of different things, but, um, to very, to varying levels of success. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So, so finding, I'm, trying to figure trying out what figure you're out, actually good out. at. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what I think about most people that think they can't sing. It's like, well, I bet you there is something that you could sing. Um, and maybe it's, maybe the style of music they want to sing, maybe they can't like, right. So, so maybe if like my favorite singer is Beyonce or something, and I wish I could sound like Beyonce. Well, you hear me talking right now. Like, there's no way I'm going to sound like Beyonce <laughs> in any any reasonable way. It just ain't happening, no matter what. But each person's voice, though, like you can learn to sing on pitch. Maybe not everybody, but I think most people can get better at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you just have to start somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You just have to start exactly. Yeah, and I and I didn't tell you that what, I, or I don't think I told you what I, what I had an idea for a podcast. What I what it was going to be about was mostly about online collaboration. So it wasn't going to be limited to just hit record. I thought I would branch out to other other online communities too and people involved in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I definitely wanted to in, interview just various people from hit record. Probably mostly on the of doing it mostly on a music side of things, but I probably wasn't going to limit to that either. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway, that was the well, idea. Hey, I, I hope you go for I, it. I, I, at this point in time, I don't think that that will end up happening um, yeah. just because, yeah, I haven't uh, dedicated myself towards doing that. And I might not just because there's so many other things that going on and possibly going on. But, um, but yeah, I'm glad that you're doing this though. Cause I think, I think that it's really fun and definitely fun to, hear people talk just get to know them a little bit better yeah and i want to branch out to people outside of hit record as well um but i'm also i don't know if it comes off but i get a little shy (laughs) sometimes too i get a little nervous especially with people that i don't know as well uh or maybe there's a couple people like that i follow online that i think i could you know i could get to come on but i don't know them at all and it's uh I'm terrified. I'm terrified to even yeah. approach them. So I'm there's still there's still some levels to this. And then there's some people locally and I'm like nervous it, to be in the same room as someone. So uh so then I'm like, would I do it in the same room or would I still have them do it from their house, even though uh we're really close to each other? And so there's there's all these steps that I'm still uh getting towards <laughs> yeah well i think you're moving along and you, there's there's so many stories of people that to get to where they wanted to get with something like you just have to do it and it's gonna be 
uncomfortable and it's going to be, you're going to be nervous about it, at least at first. And then just Mm -hmm. the more, the more you do it, then the less worried you are about it. It's like, um, so going back to music, like for anyone that hasn't performed on stage somewhere before, that's a really nerve wracking, scary thing for most people until like you've done it like a hundred times and then you finally get over it or, or at least it becomes a less of an issue. But yeah, it's just, you have to, if you want to do something, you just have to continue to work towards it. Kind of like myself. I don't think that I, uh, I'm very good at conversing. So, but here I am talking on a, on a podcast. So <laughs> <laughs> you did great. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. This was fun. Stick around. It's not over yet. And that was Nathan Lang. Can you imagine being self-taught and knowing how to play all these instruments and create songs and remixes out of thin air? I mean, It's these things that are so far out of my skill set that are just, it's incredible. I'm going to run through some thoughts uh, from the episode in no particular order. Actually, you know what? I'm going to give you an update on Hit Record Rocks, the site, first. So first of all, you heard him say about, uh, you heard him say, delete this. No, don't delete this. I don't know. <laughs> um, I did have his permission to leave it in, and I wanted to leave it in because I just think it is so interesting. Uh, he was able to create something with more functionality than currently exists on the Hit Record site, and it was useful. First of all, just as a streaming function, and it's so important, especially when you want to be consuming a lot of records and try and figure out ways to remix them. Um, Hit Record is actually currently working on a streaming capabilities, and they've started a beta with videos called The Screening Room that can be seen on the iOS app. And it's cool because you don't even have to be a member of the site in order to see some of the finished products. But also some of the other techie stuff that Nathan was able to add was incredible. Like being able to automatically detect the key and the beat of a song. And if it had stems, which stems are, um, stems means that each part of the track is available completely isolated. So the drums would be separate from the guitar or what have you, the vocals by themselves. And it helps a lot when you're remixing a song. I mean, the fact that he was able to figure all that out, that's incredible. He he actually just recently posted something that I'm going to link to in the show notes. And he used some of that functionality to take a record where a user called The Last Domino was speaking. And because he was able to see that he was just in the way that he was speaking, he was speaking more or less in an F sharp. And uh, also he could see about how many beats uh, he was speaking, the speed at which he was speaking. And he probably used that data to find a song that would easily pair with it. He paired it with a song from Humunculus. And it's just so cool. And it probably wouldn't have worked as well or nearly as easily if he didn't have a tool like that. So there's so many possibilities of uh, of where you can go when you have this kind of technical information automatically available. It takes the remixing potential 
to a new level. Okay, so why is why did he take the site down? I'm going to try and summarize uh, what he's explained to me. As he mentioned, he's, I mean, he's only ever done any of this to be useful, to be helpful, to create more art. But he's worried that it could be perceived differently. So, so here's some, actually, I'm going to read to you some stuff that he wrote me in an email. Creating a supplemental website was the only way I thought I could do it until I had a light bulb moment that I just needed to learn how to make a browser extension instead. So I'm definitely moving those things and other developments into a web browser extension now. He says he's already started on it. And even more fun things can be done with a browser extension. And what that means is it's going to work directly on the HitRecord website. It's not going to be in another place. It's like I have an extension that helps me find um, – this is me speaking now. I have an extension on my browser that helps me find like coupons and stuff when I'm online shopping automatically. So it would be something like that that you would – Add to your browser, and then while you're on the HitRecord website, it could add some functionality. So he's saying he what he really thinks is going to happen is it's going to have it's going to have more ability to be useful without the same potential for a negative reaction that it wouldn't be on an external site. It's just going to be a tool to enhance the current experience. He says it's a work in progress and it won't be available too soon because it's going to take a lot of development and testing. But it just sounds, it sounds exciting. And I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing that development. Now, I'm just going to add what I think would be a cool thing to see happen here. He doesn't know I'm saying any of this. But, you know, tech companies often find that people have created tools like this and then they'll hire them or they'll buy the tool from them. He's created something that's beyond the current functionality of the site. So I think it'd be cool to see him brought into the fold, compensated for it. To be able to add some of the things that he's thought of could really be next level for the site. So anyway, back to the rest of the conversation. So <laughs> this whole thing about skipping school to go play music or pianos around the campus. I mean, I can't think of a more ulcer-inducing activity for me. <laughs> it's funny how, how people can uh, react so differently to uh, to a situation. Even just staying on campus and playing a piano, I mean, you're making noise. Wouldn't you be worried that you're going to get caught? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's a grown-up. Oh, God, no, it would still be hard for me. But I mean, I guess as a grown-up, I could think, like, who cares? Playing music, like, it's not, (laughs) what are you going to do? Nothing. Like, tell me to stop. For me, that's the worst, to scold me. But uh, anyway, that's that's cool. And hey, it probably really helped him him learn some new skills. Okay, also, Nathan grew up in a motel. That's so cool. It made me think of the show um, Schitt's Creek, which if you haven't seen it, it, just watch it. At first, I wasn't sure what I thought of it, but now I'm completely obsessed with it. I'm all in. If you haven't heard of it, it's S-C-H-I-T-T apostrophe S Creek. Uh, You can find it on Netflix, or it's actually on CBC in Canada and on Pop TV if you have those stations. 
Dan Levy, I think, is a genius. I could talk about that show forever. I'm not gonna. Not right now. Anyway, go watch the show. On the photography side, Nathan mentioned something that I've actually heard other photographers say, which has to do with now that everyone has a camera in their pocket and there's millions of pictures being taken that have the potential to all look exactly the same. And a lot of professional photographers, they're they're now they're looking for that different shot, that unique angle composition. Um, they're more selective with the photos that they do take, and just it—it it just struck me as it just it was something that stuck with me. You know, not wanting to take the same photo that so many others have taken. And then on the music side, I included a clip of Nathan scatting to a track made by Starway Records. Oh my gosh, that was so cool! And so again, so he's he's taking an instrumental track and he's putting playing it in his car on his commute, and then he just kind of starts making nonsense sounds like scatting, feeling the rhythm, how everything could fit into the song, and he's recording it on a voice memo on his phone so he can hear it later, match some words up with it, whatever. And he talked about how you know he actually posted it because he wanted to show how the finished product can actually be really different than where he started from and that is almost exactly like something that that Ines Reich said during her interview which was the previous episode and um, how she likes to keep the original text in her word document to see how it evolves you know in her writing often drastically into the final product and so I thought it was so cool to see across I guess, mediums uh, across different kinds of art, how uh, how people are using this same concept and really like to see the the trip from where they started to where they wind up. But be curious to hear from visual artists as well if you're finding a similar a similar theme. And finally, that oh, that version, I posted a version of my favorite part, this song. Uh, that was Nathan Lang singing with uh, Jen Sakar. And there is a more final version available where there's a lot more instruments mixed in, a lot more collaborators. It's a really great song, and you should listen to the whole thing and read the lyrics. Oh, my gosh. It's just... It's if you have kids, you know, play play it for them at night. It's I think it really could be a great song for this generation of parents and children. A very nice good night song. It's been in my head all day. <laughs> so thanks again for joining me for another episode of Not Nosy Podcast. You could read it and review it, and I would really appreciate the effort. It really makes a big difference on how other people can find it and share it on social media with your friends. We're at Not Nosy Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and you can find all the episodes and all the episode notes with links and whatnot on notnosy.com. Have a great week, everybody. Bye.